1 to 12. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, it is, not David, it is not David hiding on the hill of Hachalah, which is before Jeshimon. So Saul rose, and having with him three thousand chosen men of Israel, to search for David in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul camped in the hill of Hachalah, which is before Jeshimon, because, beside the road. And David was staying in the wilderness when he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David sent out spies, and he knew that Saul was definitely coming. David then arose and came to the place where Saul had camped. And David saw the place where Saul lay. And Abner the son of Ner was commander of the army, and Saul was lying in the circle of the camp. So the people were camped around him. Then David said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Abishai the son of Zariah, Job's brother, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping inside the circle of the camp with his spear struck in the ground at his head. How far did you say? Twelve. Okay. And Abner and the people were lying with them. Then Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hand. Into your hand. Now therefore, please let me strike him with a spear to the ground with one stroke, and I will not strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? David also said, As the Lord lives, surely the Lord will strike him of this day, or his day will come that he dies, or he will go down from the battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I would stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But now please take the spear which that is at the head of the, and the jug of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water beside Saul's head and then went away. But no one saw or knew it, nor did any awake, for they were all asleep, because of a sound, because a sound sleep from the Lord had fallen. The Ziphites again. Remember how they informed Saul back in chapter twenty-three of David's whereabouts. They do it again. They're really trying to betray David, get in good with Saul. It looks to me like so. They come to Saul and they say, "We know where he is. Here's where he is." Saul takes his three thousand and goes to, to chase David through the wilderness. And David, I don't know, he's more mobile perhaps if you're a man, seems to know the wilderness better, the Lord provides for him. Anyway, he's always seemed to got the upper hand on Saul in the wilderness. Saul can never find him. He seems to always know uh, where, where Saul is. And so uh, Saul and his men are camped, they're sleeping, uh, and, and, and a sleep from God has fallen upon them. They, they're not going to wake up. And... Uh, David uh, decides to go down into the camp. And uh, who volunteers to go with him? Abishai. Abishai. Now, who was Abishai? He was a mighty man of David. How was he related to David? His nephew. It was David's sister's son. Abishai had two famous brothers. Who were they? Asahel and Joab. We know Joab mostly because of his role as David's army commander later on. We know Asahel mostly for his comparison to what animal? Yeah, he ran like a gazelle. And you remember that story in Second uh, Samuel chapter 2. So Asahel, or Abishai, says, I'll go down with you. And so they come down the camp. They're all asleep. Saul's Fear is stuck in the ground right by his head. 
Would David have had any uh, prior contact with that spear? <laughs> Almost, right? <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he'd seen it fairly clearly from time to time. Uh, and uh, look at what Abishai says to him in verse 8. Today God has delivered your enemy. Back to giving God an appropriate uh, blame. Today God has delivered your enemy into your hand. Now therefore please let me strike him with the spear to the ground with one stroke. I will not strike him the second time. I'll get him the first time. He'll be dead. You know, one stroke is all it'll take. Let me go ahead and do your dirty work for you. And David says, no, he's the Lord's anointed. The Lord will strike him when the Lord wants to. You know, or he'll go down to battle and perish or whatever. But I am not going to take his life. He is the Lord's anointed. So all he did was take the jug of water and the spear and leaves the camp. <coughs> Comments and questions on that. Look okay. um, When it says, uh, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands, he, because he put him in a deep sleep, so didn't he, <coughs> like, into David's hand to do as he wills? In some sense, he certainly gave that opportunity but it was not God's will that David uh, that David killed Saul. Yeah. So it, it depends on how you take that. Logan. Um. And this is a little bit late, but in verse forty-three of twenty-five, um, it says that David had also taken a handful of Jezreel. They both became his wives. Is this the same girl as back in chapter fourteen? Um. Oh, good question. I had not noticed that. I don't think so. That, that is a good point, though. Saul's wife's name was Ahinoam in 1 Samuel 14, 50. And now we've got one in uh, for David in 25, 43. I don't assume it's the same one. Good question. Tim? Yeah? Okay. okay. <laughs> Jacob. Uh, David is fleeing from Saul, so yeah, when Saul comes to, to him, he goes to David, Saul's camp. That seems kind of bad. Well, I mean, I think it's almost like Saul's trying to find David. He's he's with all his men, and David knows where he is, and so David and his men are kind of hiding out, but they're close enough to him that when they go into a deep sleep, David's able to sneak into the camp and take his water jug and spear. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, David seems to always be a step ahead of Saul in the wilderness. You know, he can be fleeing from him, and yet he knows where he's at, and he can do things with him or whatever. It's kind of, uh, he really has the upper hand here, it looks to me like. Chris? The last time they did this, it seemed like they had reached an agreement that, you know, it appeared anyway, that they weren't gonna, that Saul wasn't gonna be after him. But if you actually look at the details of the first one, David agreed not to harm Saul, and Saul never made such a promise at that point, but he just went home. <laughs> yeah, well, you get the impression that Saul's learned his lesson, and that he realizes it was foolish for him to be doing this to David because David wasn't really out to get him. But we know how Saul is. You know, how many other times has, no, no, it's okay, I'm not going to kill David, I'm... But, you know, he goes back to it. So Saul's just back and forth. You can't ever trust his, uh, you know, decisions to, to not kill David. Yes. Awesome. Well, and this, this gives us the opportunity in our own lives to, to know that we don't need to shirk from things. I mean, 
God has presented Saul here for David. David's able to be an example to Abimelech, to himself. And, and I think that we have that opportunity at times to not just flee and run when opportunity presents itself, be it good or bad, of how we're going to respond. Are we going to respond in God's way and God's will? And David had that chance here. Good point. Yes. Chuck. So David felt bad taking the corner of Saul's tunic, but did he feel bad stealing his water coat and spear? Well, he's going to give it back. He's going to borrow it. I find it interesting that uh, David is presenting an opportunity to uh, hand out Lex Talionis by giving, uh, by having Saul's spear that Saul so many times threw at him. But he waits on God for it. Yeah, he could have. He could have paid Saul back, but he doesn't. Andrew. I find it interesting that Abishai offered to kill Saul for David. And it, it kind of seems to me that Abishai knew based on the last encounter that David wasn't going to kill Saul himself. And David could have made the excuse, well, Saul didn't die by my hand. But because Abishai is under David's command, it still would have been like David killed him because, you know, he would have been responsible. The blood would have still been on his hands. And, and, but we would have probably found a way around that. We could have said, well, I'm not going to tell you to do that. Or something like that, that wouldn't have given permission, but would have given permission. We're good about things like that, aren't we? Patrick? It's an interesting contrast to uh, Saul's responsibility over his men. You know, when his people do something that are wrong, oh, well, the people did that. Well, David, he understands, no, that's my responsibility. I'm going to be in charge. Yes, good point. Yes, Cameron. Um, this may be an obvious question, but why did he go down to the camp in the first place? Because if he's not going to kill him, if he's not going to mess with him, and he just happens while he's down there, oh, I can steal his spear and his water jug, but why did he go down in the first place? Well, I say he went down to get the spear and the water jug. I don't know. Yeah, sure. It could be that uh, it's just telling uh, Saul that you have all this army. You're sitting in the middle of them, and I can still get in and hurt you, but I spare your life. Exactly. Yes, I think that's the idea. He's taking this to prove I was there, I could have done this, I didn't. You know, so why do you keep thinking that I'm out to get you and you're trying to come and destroy me? Patrick. Uh, uh, going back to Chris's comment, it is interesting that the last interaction we see between them is almost like they reached this resolution. And there's nothing said sense of Saul changing his mind. It's almost like we're just to assume. Well, yeah, Saul's just going to take his opportunity whenever he can get it. Yeah, if you try to keep up with Saul, you get whiplash, so. <laughs> absolutely, completely interesting and hilarious at the same time to see that, you know, in the, in the battles that the Lord wanted Saul to fight, he was never at the front line, ever. And then here's this one battle that he wants to fight for himself, and just, he's there all the time, constantly. But he's just not much of a king. I mean, no, what kind of a king takes the royal army out constantly chasing one personal enemy of his and neglects to defend the national borders. I mean, this is just, he's really a deranged man, very self-focused. Well, it's pretty humiliating when you pull a dog's teeth, he becomes harmless to the heel hound. And he took his, he took his spear from him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He wasn't too good with the spear anyway, but if he doesn't have it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, good point. Yeah, over three, that's right. Uh, now he's not going to even have it. So. All right, good comments. We need a break here, and uh, let's go ahead and take that. We'll come back and sing. Beer and uh, the water jug. And uh, now what's going to happen? First Samuel 26.
13 to 25. don't you think? David gets back over to the uh, other side of the mountain and uh, calls out to Abner, where were you? Why weren't you guarding you know, your uh, master, the king? Uh, and, uh, you know, Saul says, is that you, David? And, uh, you know, David has the goods. He's got the evidence that he was there. It's obvious that he could have killed Saul had he chosen to. And so he again insists that why is you know, Saul believing the idea that David's trying to, to, to kill him. Uh, he says in verse 19, Please let my lord the king listen to the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it's men, cursed are they before the Lord, for they've driven me out today so that I would have no attachment with the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. He's saying, your men, and you're constantly chasing and pursuing me, is pushing me out of Israel to the lands where they serve other gods. That may be a sign of what David is starting to think and where he may be going. Uh, but, but he says again, you're trying to search for a single flea. I'm not doing anything to hurt you. I'm not a threat to you. I had the chance to kill you. And again, I did not do so. Saul said, I've sinned. Please come back. 
you know, I'm a fool. It was my mistake. I shouldn't have done this. And David says, let him come over and get the spear. You can have it back. Uh, and, and so forth. And, and Saul says to David in verse 25, blessed are you. You will accomplish much and prevail. So one more time, Saul has relented. He realizes he shouldn't be out to get David. You know David doesn't uh, have a whole lot of faith in the uh, durability of those words, but it has been one more opportunity for David to show to Saul that there was no truth in the idea that he was trying to kill Saul. That was not the case at all. Comments and thoughts on this section. John. Truth doesn't matter to crazy people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and he's just, you know, he's got all these uh, sin issues in his life, the pride and the jealousy and the selfishness, and so it won't be long before they come back to haunt him. Justin? Um, at the same time, I think it's admirable that, that even though he probably thinks, you know, Saul's just kind of saying this, you know, and, and doesn't really believe him, um, he still, you know, gives him his spear back as kind of a, a, um, a, a sign of showing that, you know, he did repent. He did say, and, and we're not to judge somebody if they repent or if they say that they're sorry. We're not the judge to say if they're sincere or not. Well, and he's not going to take anything of Saul's. I mean, he is going to treat Saul right regardless of how he is treated. We can see that clearly. Seth? I like noticing patterns. I think this is the sixth time in the book so far where someone has said, what evil have I done? What evil has he done? Uh, four of which have been concerning David. Uh, one was uh, when Samuel went to the people and said, what have I taken from you guys? What, what evil have I done? Uh, David said it to his brother when you know he said, are you come here to see the battle? I, I just like noticing patterns. Yeah, that's cool. I had not noticed that. It is helpful to notice those, though, so that's, that's helpful. Matt? It's also good to see David in his interactions with the people. He always introduces the Lord. In verse 24, Now behold, as your life was highly valued in my sight this day, so my life may be highly valued in the sight of the Lord. May he deliver me from all distress. I expected him to say, so my life be highly valued in your sight as I have valued your life in my sight. The one who turned deserves a message. Yet he always first back to God. He's the one who offers protection. Don't you think it's his God-centered perspective that enables him to have this self-control and not take the vengeance? Stephen? Though I think at this point he's learned what kind of man Saul is and knows. He doesn't even ask Saul to be favored in his sight at this point because at the beginning of the next chapter... It wouldn't last long anyway, would it? Yeah, he's, just, he's focused on the Lord at this point and just making sure he's right in God's eye. Good point. Yes. Other thoughts? <laughs> All right, well, this next section really will take us through uh, much of the rest of the book. I think one of the most interesting, intriguing sections, a little bit more difficult and challenging in some ways, but I think really helpful to us, and probably one of the least known parts of the book. So chapter 27, verses 1 to 7. 